clearly something wasn't gelling in that relationship mm -hmm. for you to seek this outside validation. Mm -hmm. Going 20 some odd years with not hearing that from anybody. Yeah, you were empty. I was empty. Mm -hmm. And because we, we never argued it. So it never, it just never felt like that second gear. You know, I've heard that it's like not a good sign. Yeah. It means, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Because there'll be people that brag like, we never fight. We just have so much fun together and we just agree on everything. And that's why we're a great match. You have your own wants and needs and history and other things that are completely individual to you yeah. that are so different from your partner. And like, it's on you. To, you're not communicating. Yeah. I'm not saying you should be fighting all the time, obviously. You're hiding part of yourself. If yes. You, if you are, or even part of your uh, background or history or something, if you never allow yourself to be like, hey, actually, I don't, I don't agree with that thing. Welcome to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. Join me, your fearless host, Kayla Dahl, as I interview comedians, entertainers, experts, and people from all walks of life about their issues and find a way to laugh about them. Because if you can laugh about your problems, then they no longer have power over you. I'm here to share more about my own self-help journey too, so that you can feel less alone. Disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for medical advice or therapy. Shocking, I know, but I'm not a doctor. This show is more like the hot cup of tea after therapy. Let's do this. Today's episode is a fun one. My close friend and brilliant comedian Martin Morrow is here. And you have seen him in every commercial on your television, maybe most notably as one of the progressive dads. He's also in Netflix's I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. We chat about him coming up from Alabama to the Chicago comedy scene, relationships, and also infidelity in those relationships and how it can weirdly help things get better sometimes. At least it clarifies things. And also, trigger warning, we chat about how he survived a suicide attempt thanks to his mother. So if that's not for you, then I put the time codes of that topic in the description so you can skip past it. I will say, though, Martin is such an inspiration, and he reminds us all that it is never too late to start over. We are here to make mistakes so that we can learn from them. Being a fuck-up is actually a positive thing, because if you're just trying to be perfect all the time, you're going to be in your safe little bubble, and you're not going to experience anything real in your life. This episode was the first one that I recorded after my recent foot surgery and the first one that we did in person since the pandemic. We have a three camera fancy setup. Woo! Uh, as you may or may not have noticed, we now have full video episodes available. So if you go to cryingbehindpod.com or in our description, then you can view them there. And as a little cherry on top, if you go to Patreon, patreon.com slash cryingbehindpod, I am putting bonus video clips on there. So all of the things that I cut out in order to make the episode shorter, the little juicy bits, the fun bits, the weird stuff, all of those things are going on to Patreon exclusively. So without further ado, enjoy. From KFC's Recipe for Seduction, 
comedy stages all over America. Please welcome Martin Morrow. Hi, thank you for having me. Yay, so good to see you. You as well. So, uh, mental health check-in, Martin. Mm -hmm. Just like, take a little breath, take a little check-in with your body. <laughs> How are we feeling today? Uh, How are we doing? I'm good, I'm vibing. You're vibing? Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> How are, you, how are you doing? I'm like a little nervous because usually like with the Zoom interviews, you know, you got your notes right here. You got the guest right here and you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And have all the bullet points there. No, I can't hide behind a screen. No. Well, I mean, no, you just have to hide behind reality. <laughs> oh, I do that every day. Don't we all? That's, that's part of uh, LA. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about like you grew up in Alabama. Yes. And... How did you start off in the comedy world? I mean, you're naturally a funny person. I have to imagine, were you like class clown status? I wouldn't say class clown status. Uh, something my mom used to tell me is that I would just do, I'd do one bad thing like every other year. And then, so you said those like kind of like uh, leap year of whatever, but I, I, not bad, but like mischievous. I was more of a mischievous kid. Mischievous, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was a class clown. I would, I, would, I was kind of like quiet and, uh, and I had my, like, friends that I like to hang out. I'm basically the same way I am now. I had my core group of people I like to hang out with. And uh, from time to time, I would, you know, do something stupid. <laughs> and I just have fun with that. And, uh, like, I think the first first kind of time I got in trouble was, God, it had to be, like, sixth or seventh grade. Because uh -huh. I wrote, like, a blog. Like, it was, like, a cartoon uh, live journal blog or whatever. I love live journal. Yeah, yeah. I was the queen of live journal. I could see that. There was uh, these girls who were mean. And I okay. uh, that was, like, my first encounter of, like... Mean girls? Mean girls, yeah. And <laughs> I would always just kind of take... I, I'm, not an, I'm not an aggressive person, mm -hmm. but I'm very, like, passive kind of whatever. Uh, and so I wrote this, like like blog shitting on them and stuff and then they found it somehow and they went to the so my mom was my vice principal oh so it this whole like thing that it shouldn't have been and was your mom like on your side or on their side it was more of a like what you did was stupid but this is also stupid mm -hmm. that kind of, you know that kind of deal because i think they they took it like really far i think they wanted me like expelled and she was like it's not that deep and then they kind of blew over which is how that should always happen. So your mom just low key was like, "Don't worry about Martin. He's fine." And just no, like, like, no, you she off. was no, she would. Uh, it, I wouldn't say she would get pissed, but it was more so a thing of like, she's the first black, you know, female vice principal at this school system. Okay. We weren't zoned for the school, mm -hmm. so it was always like, a, you can't get in trouble here because they will." they can't get rid of you. And, oh. and you, it was always like, you wouldn't survive Huffman. I was like, you don't know that. Maybe I would, but. What was Huffman? Huffman was the school I would technically be zoned for, but it was like a majority black school. Oh, so you were being busted into a different school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When I busted, I drove him home. home. But, okay. Yeah, yeah you, were, you were driven in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a civilized young man should be. Exactly. To his school. Yeah. Although there's nothing wrong with buses either. Buses are cool. Yeah, your mom is fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Because I, they're still so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't met her, but I remember... You spoke to her in December, I believe. Yeah, I talked to you, talked to her when you guys were, when yeah. you were back for the holidays. Yeah. Y'all were really close. Yeah. Growing up, mm -hmm. what was the house like? What's Was dad around at all? My mom and dad got a divorce when I was five. Mm -hmm. so I was born in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, my dad had issues with addiction, uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, five years old, my mom's kind of like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. 
so we move to Birmingham, mm-hmm. which is where both both of them are from. But my dad went to TCU, and my mom started teaching out in Texas. Uh, so we, we, me and my mom moved to Birmingham. We lived with my granny for a little bit. And then eventually my dad moves out to Birmingham as well. Um, they're still like, they still were divorced, but he did, I think he just wanted to be closer to family and closer to me and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, were they on good terms at all when you were a kid or was it really tough going between the two of them? Uh, yes and no. So she, she had full custody, but mm-hmm. like would still let him, you know, visit and hang, like we'd hang out every now and then when he was clean. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it happens. It's part of life. Yeah. No, maybe that's why we're friends. Did yeah. you know, I think I told you this, my bio dad was like alcoholic and verbally abusive. I don't think I knew that. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. Like I was like, oh, this is all like making sense. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I asked you before we started recording about like the different issues and I was like, wait, we have the same issues. Yeah. And you, you named the three things and I was like, wait a minute. Is it just the first to come to your mind, or I have, I have jokes? About, I have jokes where I talk about the diagnosis and stuff, and like how, and, and like getting a dog to help, and then the dog also my Whitney having uh, uh, the same <laughs> diagnosis essentially. Uh, not not really, but that's she is like a sad ass dog. So oh, I know. Oh, she's always just like because I mean I think she was abandoned when she was young, and they used her for breeding or something. I don't know all the details, but I wasn't there. But yeah. yeah. As a little kid, what was the craziest prank that you pulled? <laughs> <laughs> craziest prank that I pulled. Wow, uh, there's going to be some teachers who are happy to hear this admittance of guilt. Uh, <laughs> so, my the year that I the year that I graduated high school. Yes. Uh, so I was I was in marching band for several years. What did you play? Trombone. Okay, he's yeah. a trombone man. I'm a trombone man. I'm a trombonist. Uh, yeah, something like that. Trombonist. Yeah. That's. Interesting. Better than tromboner. Yeah. 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 Or pianist. Mm. Like after I graduated, I had a buddy who it was his senior year. We were, mm-hmm. we were best friends, and we we still we still chat. So I'm not going to say his name just because I don't want him to be implicated. Yeah. Hey, what's up, friend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a doctor now too, and and like an awesome band. Wow. Um, yeah, he's doing good. Uh, we're we're all doing good. Shout out to this team. Um, <laughs> we came up with this idea of like salting a penis in the band field. He, he, you know, again, he's a, he's a doctor. Wait, so. salting a penis? Whose penis? No, 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 no. Not like, not putting salt on a penis. So salt, oh, so salt burns grass. Got it. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So. I thought you were going to. No, we weren't going to put salt. You thought we were going to put salt on someone. You said salting a penis. Yeah. Like a, a giant, not not a person's penis, but a... Yeah, you, you were using salt to create the shape of a, of a penis. Of a penis, yes. Got it. Yes. So, because it was like tradition for uh, pranks to be pulled. Um, yes, senior year. Senior year, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was our grand idea. There were other people who were like coming and going. And, but they didn't know what we were doing. And we were trying to like hide because we were like, we don't want to be implicated in this. But we, oh. we I think we only use cash. Like we, we had it thought out. <laughs> were you incognito, like trying to hide from the security cameras? No, I don't think it was, I don't think security cameras were that like uh, state of the art back then. It was, you know, we got it from like a Walmart or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, we, we, I remember we salted it and I was, and I put like forks 
you know, like plastic forks in the field. So I could be like, no, that was our prank. So, cause like I said, we were spotted there, but if we do the fork thing, then we say, well, that was our thing. But there's other, two other groups who like did stupid pranks or whatever that same time. So the signature that you had, like, so that everybody knew that it was you was to put the forks. No, well, we did that as a decoy in case we were to get yeah, yeah, home yeah, in a yeah, car yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which, you know, the, the next day they, the director's up in the tower and he sees a giant dick <laughs> burned into the, the band field. And, uh, it's a dick made out of dead grass. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just, a you know, it's the yellow part formed a giant. We had the everything. Was there hair? I don't think we, I don't, I don't think we did hair. I think it was just like a, a standard, like dick balls kind of deal. <laughs> Um, and we, we, I remember we got called in this one kid who was a a year above me was there and he snitched on us Mm -hmm. and we were like, no, dude, we didn't, we, we did the fork thing. Remember the forks? And then this other kid, I think he, he had like flunked out or something, but he always wanted to look like a badass. So he took the blame for it. He was like, I did that. And they were like, okay. We're like, yeah, we heard he did it. So it was him. So that was that. (laughs) So you got off. For the most part, yeah. Year, years later, uh, one of the assistant band directors was like, it was you, wasn't it? I was like, yeah, but like, now I'm 30. What are you going to do? You're an adult. Yeah, I'm an adult. Like, let it go, you know? They're like, you're suspended from from what? Yeah. From life. Mm. Mm. That's, That's deep. That's deep. <laughs> That's deep. Did you start doing stand-up uh, in high school or college or later? I started in college. Okay. My sophomore year of college, is, uh, me, and, me and my my best friend Josh, we were like, because I, I can't do, I can't like play guitar or anything, and he can play guitar. And we just were like, started writing stuff in my dorm room. And we, songs? Yeah, we'd do songs. And so, but we would do like comedy songs, we would do skits and sketches. And it was like a hybrid stand up sketch kind of deal where the stand-up would lead into a sketch we would do all this live um and then we tried to bring it to birmingham but i wasn't 21 at the time so mm-hmm. they wouldn't let me in the bars and even as a performer even as a performer they wouldn't let me in eventually we were able to you know i turned 21 and then we kind of just started like really going for it and then i started doing the solo thing when i was yeah still 21 and i moved to new york for a little bit and then back to Birmingham, and then I was in Chicago for seven years in LA. Wow. Yeah. What a journey. What a journey. What's been a big challenge for you out here? You're very even keeled, and people wouldn't know that you have these issues that you told me about, but like, what's the obstacle, right? Yeah, I I think my obstacle has always been, not necessarily the company that I keep, but like, I think people who I used to associate with who probably didn't have the best intentions for me. Mm. I think coming from Alabama into Mm -hmm. a major city and being, you know, for the most part, like when I was hanging out with other comedians, I was like on the younger side of, you know, whoever I was hanging out with. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of their brains, it was like, oh, he's this dumb young black kid from Alabama. And even though they can't vocalize that, mm. that I think that was the kind of imagery of he should be happy to be here. So when I, so they didn't vocalize it, but I, I could tell by their energy. And these are like people that you're working with? 
working with, working for, stuff like that. Wow. And that sucks. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I probably felt really othering. Yeah. Or like you're an outsider. The the story I always tell is like when I first moved to Chicago, I was just I was just very nice to people. For me, it was like there's no point in being mean or rude or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they were put off by that because they expected if you're if you're new, you're supposed to just shut up and like do your open mics or whatever, whatever, and kind of make it. And and then if you're there in a year, then good. If you're not, then like you're not supposed to actively try to make friends with people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I I guess something like that along those lines. But I, I remember I remember doing a open mic or a show with a group of people uh-huh. and this guy giving us a ride to a bar like mm-hmm. hopping in the bar oh yeah it was fun mind you i'd only been there for less than a month so i didn't really know the lay of the land this is before like iphones and everyone's like all right we're leaving the bars closed down mm-hmm. i'm like oh could i get a ride to this trainer that no we don't, I don't have room anymore oh but you had you know he's like oh just keep walking that way and you'll 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 figure out the You'll find a train or whatever. So I knew I had to get to the red line. I think we're in a neighborhood where it was just like blue line. Mm-hmm. And again, it was like two, three in the morning. So not a lot of trains were running at this yeah. time. Uh, I remember walking up there and I, I don't even remember how much like I had on my little, you know, train card at the time. Uh, but walking there and like the train's not going for another hour or so. So then I have to figure out a bus and I had to, I like walked for maybe another hour and a half. Uh, and then, oh yeah, so I just kept, I just kept walking like basically till the sun came up when I finally found like a, a route of buses that were going to go some sort of direction asking the bus driver, like, are any of these going this way? Oh, you need to take this one. We'll, this one will take you here. Wow. So it was like a, like a random bus driver was the only person who helped me outside and like even my, my peers and people who I would later in a way consider, you know, call friends, but you know, maybe not at the, not at the time. Not at the time, No. It's like you had to earn their friendship. They couldn't just be nice because you're a human being yeah. who is in a new city and trying to make his way. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. But that, I feel like that happens where people are just kind of out for themselves and they might not be intentionally trying to be mean, they just are so self-involved that they don't realize the consequences of their actions for this other person. Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened. I feel like I just want to go back in time and give you a hug, <laughs> give you a ride somewhere. Uh, if I had a time machine, there's so many things I'd tell young Martin. Be like, don't talk to that motherfucker. <laughs> Wait, what would you tell young Martin? This is interesting. And you know what? I Part of me is also like, I think everything has a lesson that you... You grow from it, you learn from it, you make mm-hmm. mistakes. You're, we're brought here to fuck up. We're, no one's like brought here to be the perfect recreation of life itself, no. you know. But I, yeah, I'd, I'd be like, hey, avoid certain people or show more respect here. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, don't be so open with this person because, you know, their their intentions might not be the same as your intentions. Right. Um, stuff like that, you know. And also like, you know, be, be faithful in relationships or just mind again who you who you talk to and who you need to keep your guard be faithful in relationships are you out there cheating i I was back in the day yeah oh Oh, yeah i'm not surprised i mean sorry you're a good person but i feel like also you're you know you got a big sex drive you like to have fun women like you Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it happens it happens yeah but you know that was again that was in my I, i would not do it I learned so many lessons from that. And I'm like, never, I'm never cheating again. And pe- people always think like, oh, but once a cheater, always a cheater. It's like, nah, man, I sometimes don't... you don't want to deal with that shit anymore. No, I don't think it's true. 
what is her name? Esther Perel. Mm-hmm. She has all the books that she's written on infidelity and how she talks about infidelity weirdly. It's going to clarify the relationship once it comes to light, yeah. right? Because either you're going to decide to stay and work it out, which is a lot of hard work after someone has cheated, or you're going to separate. But either way, there's some sort of underlying issue, either with one person or another person or the connection. And that's why infidelity is happening. Yeah, It's not really about the sex so much. Yeah. Um, at least that's her theory. And uh, it's so much more common than people would think. And I feel like if people would just accept the fact that, like, oh, this does happen. It's not the end of the world. No one got murdered. Yeah. We're not advocating for infidelity. Let's just be clear. <laughs> I think the way that a lot of people... I tried both. With one relationship, I, I tried to, like, let's stick together. We can do this. We can figure yeah. it out. It doesn't always work. It's it does hard. Not, yeah. I mean, I'm not with her. So, yeah. It yeah. Work, but <laughs> I remember sending her an email, like, a few years ago where I just... Let, let it all out there and I was apologizing like yo I've I said some shit I fucked up in this relationship yeah third and she said back uh I hate you and you have to learn to be okay with that and that was such a powerful woof yeah but like it, it like why wouldn't she hate me like she she has every right to hate me dislike me be indifferent about me she was I remember like her opening line like you know you have no reason to contact me anymore like I moved on I'm disappointed that you know you didn't learn from that experience um she doesn't think you learned from it well because i cheated on a different partner oh uh, so after these, her after hers these are like both people who like were in the comedy community i see yeah so having that one kind of blow up in my face and 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 then the second one blew up even bigger because she i think she came from a place of a little bit more privilege so people catered to her a little bit more after that breakup and then me talking to girlfriend number one about like this and her being like hey people are gonna hate you and you have to be okay with that because this is something you did yeah "Yeah, you're right i think it's very healing to see a man receive an email like that and not immediately go well well she's wrong she needs to like me she needs to be okay with me and forgive me and because I've been on the other side of that email. Like I will have exes hit me up and try to make nice or different stuff. And there's not always something bad that happened, but sometimes you're just, you've already made it really clear that you don't want this person in your life. Yeah. And then for some reason, then the man feels entitled to be in your life, be an active part of your life and have make sure that you like him to like stroke his ego yeah you know and it's very refreshing that you're just kind of like yeah you know what okay she hates me that's her opinion we're gonna learn from this we're gonna move on i think that a lot of people are afraid of looking wrong in situations and the best thing i can do is not only be wrong be called out for being wrong for Mm -hmm. a wrong action and with with relationships and cheating, I, I had seen so many family members and friends who I looked up to or regarded like, oh, this is my mentor. This is this person or that person. And they, I would see them either cheating or they would tell me, well, yeah, man, you're like talented. You should be able to fuck other people. Like that kind of thing. People are encouraging this behavior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because you're a touring comedian. I actually, like, it's like, it's almost like being a rock star. You're in a different city every other week. It's weird. There's a stigma against dating actresses. Mm-hmm. The stigma is we're all crazy. Okay, yeah, guilty as charged. Or, oh, well, she's just trying to fuck her way to the top. And if you're not a really big 
deal Hollywood person that she's not going to be interested in you or she's not going to be faithful or whatever. So like, I get that. And, but these people that you look up to, it's like, they're human. They're humans. We make mistakes and that's how we learn. Yeah. And you're not going to get it right the first time. I mean, I guess in very rare cases, people will meet and fall in love with someone, get married and then just be together forever. Like when they're really young, but if you don't find that person when you're young and you're just out there doing stuff like, yeah, we're all going to be doing a lot of trial and error. Yeah. That's (laughs) really what it is. And I, I hope that more people give themselves that kind of clearance to recognize like, Oh, I'm, I should, I should fuck up sometimes. Cause I, I think my, my big issue, especially with that last breakup with so many people being like, well, I would never do that. It's like, well, you weren't, you weren't in a situation to where that could happen to you. But they're saying that to make themselves feel better. Yeah. They're saying that because they're like, well, I'm better than you. Yeah. And I would never make a mistake like that. And they don't know that. No, they actually don't know that. Crying Behind Sunglasses is brought to you by the folks at Papa and Barkley. They have awesome CBD products that I actually use IRL for body aches, better sleep, and to relieve stress. My gateway product was actually their relief balm. It's great for my carpal tunnel in my wrists or if you just have achy muscles after a workout, but they also have tinctures, gummies, chocolates, capsules, you name it. And you can get 20% off your entire order of CBD. Just use code CRYING at checkout when you go to papaandbarkley.com. But I remember as a kid, there was still that abandonment issue and that seeking approval and all that stuff. And I felt like the only time I was really getting the attention that I wanted was when I was achieving something, being a good student or entertaining people. Like when my parents would have friends over, they'd have parties and I'd just like play clarinet or do a weird little dance thing or tell jokes and being such a perfectionist um, and having all these achievements like in schools, like, okay, AP student gets into NYU, does all this stuff. Then once I was an adult being an actor, there's no clear path. So there wasn't a specific thing that I could hit and feel like, okay, here's the next achievement. Here's the next achievement. Here's the next achievement. And I was doing that in the relationships, you know? So then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, I have to hit this checklist of this specific kind of person and we have to be married by this certain time. And it was destroying me. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until I literally almost married the wrong person. Yeah. And that's, in a weird way, the best thing that could have ever happened to me is for me to fuck up that badly. Yeah. Because like, I, I'm not going to blame it all on him. Like I put myself there. Yeah. Right. And that's something. So in my last, last relationship where I cheated, I think I was like 27, 28. Mm -hmm. And I remember putting so much of that blame on myself, you know, because it, it fucking erupted. Right. Mm -hmm. It was not really, and I remember a friend being like, you have to learn to forgive yourself because you, you kind of keep taking these lashings mm-hmm. on your own and from other people and all this stuff. But at the same time, like clearly something wasn't gelling in that relationship mm-hmm. for you to seek this outside validation. <laughs> Going 20 some odd years with not hearing that from anybody. Yeah, you were empty. I was empty. I didn't I didn't have like a girlfriend in high school or like and like I had my my, my first girlfriend was in college, but like we were long kind of long distance. So all these insecurities I think still 
were bottled up throughout my 20s. Mm -hmm. And I think it led to, because we, we never argued it. So it never, it just never felt like that second gear. Mm -hmm. um, Who, you and the girl that you were with? Well, I was with for, yeah. Okay. You guys never argued. Never argued. You know, I've heard that it's like not a good sign. Yeah. It means, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Because there'll be people that brag like, we never fight. We just have so much fun together and we just agree on everything. And that's why we're a great match. And I always like, I don't say, you know, you're not going to comment on someone else's relationship and correct them. Yeah. But you have your own wants and needs and history and other things that are completely individual to you yeah. that are so different from your partner. And like, it's on you. You're not communicating. Yeah. I'm not saying you should be fighting all the time, obviously, but like you're hi you're hiding part of yourself. If yes. You, if you are, or even part of your, uh, background or history or something, if you never allow yourself to be like, Hey, actually, I don't, I don't agree with that thing. No. And it, 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 it but, at the same time, prove me wrong. If I'm wrong, I, I like, again, I like being wrong. I love that we're talking about relationships because I wasn't sure. Because you and I are such good friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, when I bring a good friend on the podcast, I'm never sure where the convo is going to go. But like you and I always talk about the relationship stuff in real life. So it's, yeah. I feel like uh, it just makes sense, you know? And it, those little things, they add up to big things. Because it's like you think... He said he was going to get me this milk from the grocery store. He didn't get it. I'm not going to say anything, mm -hmm. right? I don't want to make an issue, right? That, it starts really small like that. And then you make that decision and then it becomes the default decision to not say anything to the point where like, oh, he said this comment about me at a dinner with a bunch of friends and I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not used to speaking up for myself with this person, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And that's when like over time... It's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Um, or people just decide to stay in unhappy relationships. And There's I mean, that's, yeah. that's a decision too. Yeah. But it's, it's... It worked throughout the 50s and look at us all now. Raised by those people. Yeah, yeah, With your uh, various diagnoses, I remember before the show, I was like, well, what is it? We've got this salad bar of mental health issues. Do you have... Depression, anxiety, PTSD. You're like, whoa, oh, right. yeah. And and I and then I said, well, welcome to the club. Yeah, <laughs> and diagnosed in, gosh, I think it was 2017 or 18. With all of them? All three. Oh, because I'd never before that. I'd never really gone to a therapist. I'd never gone to a psychiatrist. I always just kind of tried to like, you know, man up about anything. Mm -hmm. And then you know, I found myself trying to kill myself in a kitchen. <laughs> uh, Martin. Yeah, I mean, that's not something I broadcast a lot. No, but. I just, as a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm so sorry to hear that. Mm, so that was like a rock bottom moment for you. Yeah. I, I think just a lot of, one, this the fallout of the breakup. Yeah. And then trying to do something different with my life. Yeah. And seeing all that kind of crumble, yeah. you know, uh, you have like certain dreams and dreams and then those dreams don't fester into the realities that you hope or want them to be. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I was an extra on this, uh, show on true TV and then I get a call from my agent at the time they were dropping me. I was like, like, well, well I just was like hanging out and I get this call mm -hmm. and I'm like, all right, well, I guess everything's over now. This is the only thing I've known or worked 
tours since I was 18. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was in this, they, they were filming in like some, I don't even know how you just, like a VFW hall. There VFW. VFW hall. Is that veterans? Right. Yeah. Oh, got it. And so I was in the kitchen when I was on the phone and I have a knife. And I'm trying to like remember like how do I, which way you do it to, to do it. And then my mom calls me out of the blue and she's crying. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? She was in Atlanta. She was driving and there was like traffic was blocked off and she was looking to see what happened. And it was a kid who was sitting in the middle of traffic, like crisscross applesauce, trying to get hit by a car because he wanted to kill himself. And all these people like rushed out of their cars to like move him to the side. And he's like trying to fight them off to like say, no, I want to die. Like he's trying to tell himself. Yeah. Yeah. Because he wanted to just get hit. Wow. And, and so then she says, how are you doing? And I just start bawling and telling her like where I'm at. And she was like, you can't, you can't, die. you can't do that. Cause I don't know what I'd do if you're not here. And just that moment, you know, I took some time away from like anything entertainment based comedy, yes. you know, acting, all that stuff. And that was like, just what I just needed to hear in that moment. And, mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, and I was like, I'll be fine being security guard or, you know, whatever gig. Uh, and, and you just want to get stable. I just want to get stable. Again. Yeah. And so I was like driving for Lyft and I was working uh, a graveyard shift at security job. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like that December, uh, that was the first like time I couldn't go home. So I was, you know, I had like kind of drained all my money at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I ended up getting into a car accident. So then I couldn't drive for Lyft anymore and I couldn't get <laughs> to work. What? So I'm just like, Come on. I remember crying and my mom being like, all right, you have to like, you know, man up. You have to figure it out. Right. And that being kind of the catalyst of like, all right, let me, let me go to therapy. Let me get a psychiatrist. Let me figure this out and start taking Zoloft. And that, you know, that helped kind of with, uh, quieting down the dark thoughts and stuff like that. But yeah. Like when you're in that crisis situation, um, I think that's the best time to just, if you're open to it, doing the meds, because it's, it just, it takes the edge off enough yeah. that you can try to start to understand what happened and like put your life back together. Yeah. I mean, thank God for your mom. Yeah. She had that instinct, you know? Yeah. Of all times to call, like had it been two minutes later, that wouldn't be here. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I was already a big fan, but now I'm like, she's, She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also interesting because, like, I feel like we're all connected. There's a collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. And that kid doing that on that same day as you, like, that's all something in the air. Yeah. And he didn't die that day. Your mom saw it. She called. She saved you. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. wonder where that kid is now. Hopefully, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I'm they, thinking about him now. <laughs> he, might be, he might be on a podcast somewhere recording. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> let's hope that he's. We're gonna, we're gonna find that kid. He's gonna be the next guest. I mean, I would love. I mean, internet. When, what, what, what year was this? This was 2017. So that fall, fall 2017. In uh, what city? So he was in Atlanta. Uh-huh. So my mom was, like I said, driving down the what's it, the I twenty. Okay. Uh, and I was, I was in LA. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're still here and like that you were able to have 
not only like your mom pushing you to get help, but that you like you had the instinct to reach out and to say, hey, I'm not okay. I want to figure this out. And how was it when you got into your first therapy session? Was that totally like like, weird or tough or Uh, good? I had a therapist before that. And then when I moved to L.A., I and I think my therapist before was he was good, but it was it was a lot of like. I don't know. I, I think it made me more militant. I think it just made me more angry. And, Which you made know, you more angry? The, the, my first therapist. Not okay. not his, but I think the stuff that he told me would would kind of rile me up more. Mm. Not not intentionally. Like hard truths? Yeah, but it, I think it wasn't, it wasn't like self-reflecting. It right. was, you know, and I think that's... <laughs> so I was glad that I switched to... Uh, my new pet therapist was a, a black woman. Good. Uh, because it, it just kind of came with a little bit more compassion and learning and listening. and But also the aspect of like knowing the blackness around a lot of stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. A lot of my trauma, both in comedy and in life and whatever, did deal with racism, be it passive or or aggressive racism. Yes. Uh, and realizing like, oh, this is like something I've been dealing with since I was five. But I, as a kid, I'm like, oh, it's weird that that old white lady was mean to me at a j- j- jumping jamboree. Right. But as an adult being like, oh, that was fucked up. She did that because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, you're processing it through this new lens. And yeah. then you're probably getting re-traumatized a little bit about these old experiences. And it's just, it's probably too, a lot to handle. Yeah. It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but I think also maybe that's what I needed to handle it because I hadn't before. And that was... Something I, when I talked to my mom about, like, you know, therapy, uh, she was like, yeah, you never really took time to grieve. Like, you know, your dad dying, you never really took time to grieve about this and, or about this thing that can, like, you just kind of tried to work through everything instead of, you know, instead of allowing yourself to feel. Yeah. I think that's where, that's where I'm at. Like, I just stopped taking my Zoloft in December. Okay. Because I, I kind of was like, I need to feel sad or angry. You want to feel your feelings again. You're not afraid of it. Yeah. And yeah, that's huge. And how's it, are you, how are you feeling now? Good. I mean, the brain zap sucked for a bit, but you know, that's how that is. Oh yeah. I dealt with that. I was, um, yeah. I remember when I came off of effects or I had about two solid weeks just on the couch. It's a weird feeling. It's not fun. No. I mean, I did think that then when I was at home, I was like, well, yeah. So Martin, before we wrap up, two things I want to address. One is, um, KFC's, uh, the, the, the short film that you did, mm-hmm. the recipe for seduction. So I rewatched that before our interview. Okay. And, um, for those of you who don't know, KFC, you are not wrong. It is Kentucky Fried Chicken. They produced... A really amazing short film. Yeah. High art. Yeah. And it's almost like a Lifetime movie. It is. A, it was a Lifetime. It is a Lifetime movie. Oh, it, is? it aired on Lifetime. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that because I saw it just on like online. Yeah. No, it aired on Lifetime. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's like 16 minutes long. So it's like an easy lunchtime watch. And. Uh, great. You, great paired with KFC. Yeah. And it's the classic. The girl has this rich, mean guy that she's supposed to marry, but then Mario Lopez comes in as, hold on, hold on, I wrote this down. Colonel Harland. Harland Sanders. Mm-hmm. And they put him, like, they put gray in his hair and gave him the little goatee and gave him the little tie that Colonel Sanders has, and she has to 
And of course, I mean, who wouldn't want to be with Mario Lopez? But he's not as rich as this other man that she's supposed to marry. And then you're the best friend. And how was it working with Mario Lopez? He was cool. He was very nice. Yeah? Yeah. That's that's it? I mean, I didn't really talk to him. That you didn't much. talk to him? I, I talked to him, but not like a crazy amount. Okay. But yeah, I talked to him just enough. He was, he was very nice. Was there KFC for like crafty or for lunch no there was no kfc for <laughs> really uh, yeah they didn't feed you kfc on the kfc project no they didn't okay yeah maybe right. maybe, maybe in the sequel yeah i mean because towards the end the bad guy does like bite into some kfc i saw yeah. so we, we had it was on set but it was literally like for the set. Oh, like to be eaten on camera, not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what? That's right. Because you're probably sick of it by then. You're you're eating it so much on camera. Why would you also eat it for we, lunch? We honestly, we didn't even have to eat it on, on camera. You didn't? No. Okay. It, yeah, I think... I remember like having a full plate. They're like, yeah, it's been... You know, we got that shipped in, so you don't want to eat that right now. <laughs> so no spit bucket. None no, of that no stuff. And, uh... I love your role because it was just so funny. I feel like it's very similar to what you're doing in real life where you're like the best friend, giving the relationship advice. You're encouraging her to follow her heart. Mm -hmm. And then you officiated the damn wedding. Yeah. And I officiate weddings in real life. That's so saying. Also, Martin Murrow does does weddings. He does weddings. Do you hear the rose battles? I, I have before. I'm not like a big fan of them because uh-huh. I feel like it's like writing for a one night thing. Yeah. Uh, that you don't get paid for. And you're also like such a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> typically. Yeah. I, I can't be a dick, but I, I think that's another part of me. I try to like keep. <laughs> that's the the demon I keep bundled up now is like, don't be mean to people. Yeah. I, but it, if they've, you know, yeah. I, I, I usually give like a three strike rule now. Um, three strike of what? If, you, if you're like, if you're rude to me or like if you try to, roast me i i i'm always like kind of lasering in on well what's going to be your biggest insecurity that i can so i'll let you get your three off and then boom i just cut your throat Ooh, i like that okay okay yeah because i had you we i had you over for dinner and i feel like i did like a little roast and i saw i saw maybe you're keeping score but i didn't do three i did like one or two so now I know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> if we had one more, we would not be here today. It'd be over. No. Friendship over. Because <laughs> I, I, yeah, if I, 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 I go for haymakers, man. Go for haymakers. Go, yeah. go home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a, so for my my thirty uh, fourth birthday, uh, I had a, a birthday roast at a friend's house and let everyone kind of get their stuff off and but there there's still things that I said back that people are like. Hey man, I was thinking about that thing the other night. It was like, bro, that was a year ago. You have to let it go now. Yeah. 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 I have like a 72 hour. I'm like, you got beef with me. You let me know. After that, there's an expiration date. Hmm. Let's move on. You know, unless it's something, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be a total dick. Sometimes people take a long time to process things. But if I'm like, if it's someone I talk to on a regular basis, like, Let's get to it. Yeah. Uh, so the other question I had was um, a special segment that I like to call hot tips. Uh, hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. That's where, you know. Oh, the ballyhoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bear horns. Yes, I heard them. Uh, they were real. Yeah. Uh, David? David. <laughs> the trumpets. Of... Oh, wow. Was it, was it David? Wait, who blew the... Gabriel. Jesus. I don't know. I gotta go to church. I... Gabriel, blow your horn. Jewish. Yeah. 
Sorry. Is that, is that Old Testament shit? Wait, should I know that? <laughs> um, so hot, hot tips. tips. Martin, when you have a bad day, you uh, have a date that doesn't go the right way, or maybe you have a bad set. I know that never happens for you, like ever. Oh, never. <laughs> You've never bombed never. in your life. But when you go home, what is something that you do for yourself to hmm. turn your mood around? If I'm sad... I'll play video games because it's a good distraction. Uh-huh. Uh, if I'm angry, I'll clean. Oh, you know what? I do the same thing. Mm. Rage cleaning. Yeah. It's the thing. Because then I feel like when you get mad, it gets into your body. You have to move. Yeah. You got to get that energy out. Yeah. Shake it off somehow. And um, I'll just go. I have a little Marie Kondo that lives inside of me. And I just start tidying. Hmm. Not so much the actual like scrubbing and cleaning. It's the putting things away, reorganizing them, and then I step back after an hour or two and I'm like, huh. Also, <laughs> I, I took uh, I took boxing classes for a while. That's smart. That, so if I was mad about something at work, I would then be able to box it because there was like a coworker uh, who I wanted to fight, and I'm not like uh, I but like he pissed me off so bad I'll never forget. I was like, I'm gonna go to two classes today. <laughs> And then you just imagine his face on the punching bag. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's healthy. Yeah. Right? And then you never you never have to have a fight in real life with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. No one goes to jail. So uh, as soon as my foot heals, I want to get into some martial arts shit. You can do some MMA? I don't know. I'm going to try a few different things. See what sticks. Yeah. Um, I've heard jujitsu can be a good one. Jiu-jitsu is a good one. Krav Maga. Yeah. Uh, sort of. Yeah. I can't do boxing because I got a weak wrist. Oh. I tried it. It was fun. Yeah. So, Martin, it's been lovely having you here today. Thank you. And it's been amazing. It's just like a, a, so exciting to have, like, you know, have someone in person and have it be someone that I'm, like, actually friends with. You wore leopard print for me. Yeah, it was all for you. Thank you so much. I went to H&M today and got it. Really? No, that part's true, yeah. <gasps> Thank you so much. So do you have any last words of wisdom for anybody who might be struggling out there? Uh, I don't know, like a young performer who just got to the big city. Mm. They're ready to make it. And they, they got some meanies who are sending them on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just keep believing in yourself. I think that's that's number one. Just yeah. if you believe that you're good enough and that you're talented and like don't not in a delusional sense because there's a lot of there's a lot of people like that too yeah but if you if you feel that your your talents uh outweigh the bad then keep pushing and know that everyone has an audience for them so everyone has an audience yeah well I'm... clearly that's why fucking tiktok and instagram's a thing <laughs> and that's why kid rock somehow still has a career yeah <laughs> bottle to bottle it's not that good of a song well, thank you so much, Martin. Thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Crying Behind Sunglasses. I've been your host, Kayla Dahl, and I am so honored that you decided to visit my cozy corner of the internet. If you want to follow me or my guest on socials, just check out our info in the description. And please, if you love the show, be sure to follow, rate, and write a review on your favorite podcasting app. It really helps to spread the word. Also, this offer, I'm going to say, is good for the entire summer of 2023. <laughs> if you screenshot your review and DM it to me at cryingbehindpod on Instagram, I will send you a surprise piece of merch in the mail. 
That's right, we are finally doing merch this summer, baby! Uh, this offer is also only good for my American listeners. If you live international, you're going to have to pay me for that shipping. Uh, but I'm really just excited to have some mugs and some sunglasses and maybe even some t-shirts. But obviously, the sunglasses, that's the important part. I'm going to read a recent review just to give you a little bit of inspiration. And the headline is, get you a girl who can do both. Helpful, nerdy, insightful, and funny, charming, and easy on the eyes. You've found your host, Kayla, a literal get-you-a-girl-who-can-do-both meme. A must-listen pod. Wow, thank you so much. So, leave a glowing review, and maybe you'll get a little surprise in the mail. Uh, but just be sure to screenshot it and obviously send it to me. What else? Oh, right. Well, I said this in the beginning, but just in case, if you want to watch full video episodes, if you prefer, if you're a visual learner, as I am, you can see the full video episodes that are available at cryingbehindpod.com. And you can support the show on patreon.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's where I'm putting bonus content. We've got a whole community going on there. So I'd love for you to join us. Our theme song is by Peter Stoya, and the lyrics and some of the guitar is by yours truly. Until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. Hey, hey buddy, you doing okay?